So welcome and thanks for joining us for this first inaugural episode of Cloud Insiders. The podcast is going to be focused on informing you as to what's happening in the world of cloud and virtualization. We're going to have experts in talking about a range of technologies, the business drivers that have led to them, why you need to know about them, how you might like to interface with these technologies and drive your decision making from a more informed place. It's going to be great. And let's get into episode one, which is myself talking to CTO of Extrovert, Peter Grant. Find out more about any episodes, download the show notes and subscribe on iTunes at cloudinsiders.fm. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for joining me today, Peter. I'm sitting here with Peter Grant, who's the CTO of Extrovert. Tell us a bit about your history with, with cloud, and uh, then we'll get into some of the, some of the questions. Okay, so um, cloud has been um, used quite a lot in the, in the last few years. It's really been a merge of the virtualization technology has been moving into what has now been used to build cloud solutions. So, you know, my experience with cloud has been seeing a lot of customers looking at it, talking about it, and particularly in the last 12 to 18 months starting to... Um, take the leap and, and do it. So I've been, uh, been following it closely and also been involved in quite a lot of hands-on um, transformations. Sure, sure. And you're just learning IT, aren't you? You're just one or two years in, in the junior level, is that right? Uh, no, no, <laughs> unfortunately. I didn't, didn't enjoy my, my first couple of years particularly, but um, I've been in IT for 20 or so years now. So my background started off uh, working for a system integrator, doing uh, break fix, working on uh, desktop support, moving to server support, moving to architecture. Um, and then I worked for a number of companies. I've worked for Microsoft, um, I think, four times and doing a lot of um, Wintel Active Directory support and infrastructure. Spent a few years working for different investment banks and then joined Extrovert in 2008, where I've been ever since. Very good. So you know a thing or two about it, which is why we're here. So... Let me dig into this and with no further ado, how come everybody thinks they need to move to cloud? One of the things with IT is we're very good at having buzzwords um, and there's been a number of buzzwords over the years and cloud is just one of those things where it's been used in almost every conversation now. Everyone wants to move to the cloud um, and I think part of the reason people think they want to move there is because it is a bit of a buzzword. but a big part of it is that people do get what cloud is supposed to mean and they want the benefits that that cloud will will bring them so on that note what is cloud so to me cloud is really more of a concept it's the concept of renting something versus buying it it's the the idea of the opex versus the capex spend so there's various forms of cloud and it gets used in different contexts. You've got private cloud, you've got public cloud, you've got hybrid cloud. But ultimately, cloud to me is, is the concept of buying something, using something on demand and not having to go through the pain and the expense of building it up from scratch just so you can use it. You can just use it as you need and ideally, if you don't need it anymore, you can relinquish it and stop paying for it. That's the idea. But ultimately, it's, it's a concept. Right. Right. And you mentioned hybrid cloud. That's something that seems to be a, a hot topic within the cloud debate. Yes. Yeah, so along with the, um, the hype of cloud, you then have these terms of private cloud, public cloud and, and hybrid cloud. 
So if we just look at what cloud is, it's the concept of having something on demand. Now, to have something on demand, someone needs to build and provide that service. If you have public cloud, then that generally means that it's being provided by a third-party hosted solution, such as your um, Amazon Web Services or AWS or Azure, vCloud Air or Rackspace, those types of public providers. So public cloud is all about those guys providing the service to you. Then you have private cloud, which um, I sometimes smile a little bit because, um, you know, a few years ago, everyone was building a virtual infrastructure. Now everybody's building a private cloud. Mm. Now, I think in terms of a private cloud, for it to truly be a private cloud, it should be designed and implemented in a way where the organization or IT is providing that service to the business and there would typically be some kind of chargeback or showback and it would be as a service. Um, I think in a lot of cases, private cloud is really just kind of you know a virtual infrastructure. But the principle of a private cloud is that it's as a service, but it's built by your internal, um, your internal business, your internal IT. So that takes us on to hybrid cloud. And hybrid cloud is the idea of using either a combination of a private and a public cloud. So you might go to AWS or VMware for vCloud Air to provide your your sort of on-demand services that they host. And that could be combined with uh, the private cloud element provided by your internal IT teams. Or you could look at it from the perspective of you have your public cloud providers mixed in with your traditional IT, which is, you know, running your own data centers, whether you want to call that a, a private cloud or just traditional IT. So hybrid cloud is, is the mix. And what we're seeing in the vast majority of cases is I would class most cloud deployments as hybrid cloud for customers of any significant size, because it's very unusual to see a customer of, you know, more than a few hundred seats being fully say public cloud, it's almost, in, all, in, in the vast majority of cases, they have their traditional IT, but they're wanting to extend into the public cloud um, and then therefore it's a hybrid. So, mm. you know, I, I think most, most things would fall under the hybrid banner nowadays, except for customers or organizations like Extrovert. So mm. I would say we are, you know, we're a cloud organization, um, you know, all our Accounting systems are in the cloud, our timesheets, our billing, um, our email, our document management. We are truly a cloud consumer. And the reason we can do that is because we grew from a startup where we didn't have any infrastructure we needed to migrate. And that's typically what you would see from organizations that are fully cloud providers. And they don't necessarily need to be small. You can look at some organizations like Uber, mm. massive organization almost fully cloud-based because they grew from the startup. So Right. So we're almost in a world where there's the, the green field <clears throat> and there's the ongoing concern. And are you seeing different trends based on whether an organization is one <clears throat> or the other? Exactly. So if you're an established organization with established IT, you're probably not going to be fully in the cloud unless you've made a big effort to get there. You're probably going to be in the transition phase where you've got services in both camps therefore you would be a hybrid if you're a new startup however i would say it's probably unusual if you're a startup to want to go and buy physical servers and host them in your computer room you know you might do that but i think if you look at most startups they just want to go online and buy what they need 
um, for low cost, low outlay, and have it instantly. So yeah, definitely there's um there, there's two strands to organisations. Sure. When you talk about the the hybrid model and the, I think to myself, this sounds like a lot of marketing and a lot of buzzwords where there are three or four flavours, but everybody actually in the real world chooses a mix. Yeah. Is that the concept of bimodal IT, where there's two concepts that are working together? So bimodal IT is more the concept of, so if we just take a step back, if we look at traditional IT, where you go for your big refresh cycles and you do your projects which last for six months a year and you go through change control and it's all run through prints you know this this traditional it approach that we've all grown up with now that's i wouldn't say legacy that's that's an important approach but there's downsides to that in that if you want things to be done quickly and you want to spin up servers very quickly then you have to go through your change control. You've got to place orders and buy servers, put them in your data centers, put requests in to get people to build them. And that all takes time. And whilst you're doing that, your new startup competitors just gone to the cloud and provisioned what they needed in the latest version of the operating systems and they're ahead of you. So the concept of bimodal IT is I went to a uh, briefing a couple of, almost a couple of years ago now, actually, and the people presenting use the concept of the suits and the hoodies. The suits are your traditional IT teams going through this whole very planned out, predictive kind of approach for IT, which is very stable, hopefully, but also very slow. And then you've got your hoodies who just crack on and just just bring up the servers and they don't go through change control. They just they just do what they need to do and they get things developed very quickly and they go to their management and say, look, I've just built this new thing. You can go out and sell. And the suits and the hoodies don't normally get on very well because the suits are like, you've just bypassed all our processes. And the hoodies are like, well, if I went through all your processes, would still be trying to would still be waiting for the server. So the concept of bimodal IT is the recognition between within an organization that you need to have that blended approach. You need to have your suits that have stable management of your infrastructure, but you're competing with these Uber startups who, you know, if, if you're not quick enough, you're just going to be overtaken. So you you need your hoodies as well. So it's the okay. it's, it's the the split between them. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So in terms of thinking through the the suits and the hoodies and and providing cloud as a, a means to enable one or both of those groups. How are you seeing organizations really benefit from cloud? So cloud can, can benefit the suits and the hoodies. So we're typically seeing a lot of organizations use cloud for their hoodies, i.e. bringing up their um, test and development servers who just need them on demand and they need them now and they don't want to wait for IT. Um, so the agility that cloud can bring is, is, is obvious and that's one of the first use cases people are using cloud for. But um, other organizations now are starting to use it more for the suits, i.e. taking their infrastructure that are supporting on a day-by-day -day basis and starting to move their core platforms in, into the cloud. And there's similar but also some different benefits from the suits point of view in that it means they can focus on not so much keeping the lights on with the servers and replacing hard disks if they go down, but it allows them to focus slightly higher up the stack. So agility for the um, 
the, the hoodies and the suits, it allows them to focus on some different areas. Okay. All right. So that's in terms of business drivers for adopting a blended or hybrid cloud strategy. I can see agility is, is definitely one of them um, and speed to market. What else would you say is a key driver for the, the to- sort of mid-market customer that, that you're dealing with day to day? So we talked about the agility and I think that that is a, a big one, being able to bring up things on demand. I talked just about the ability to focus higher up the stack. So if you see the stack as being at the bottom, you've got your hardware and at the top, you've got your sort of applications and in the middle, you've got your various other things you need to make IT work. By by moving to the cloud, it means you don't need to focus on the hardware. You can focus on the operating systems, the patching, the applications that run on them and your user data. So it allows you to refocus um, your resources. So that's, that's one benefit. Cost can be a benefit. I say can because it really depends on how you manage your and control your cloud. So there's a term, term we use um, internally and also I've heard within the industry, which is cloud sprawl. And this is a, an extension of the whole VM sprawl where when virtualization came of age and people realized they can bring up a new server with just a few clicks of the mouse rather than waiting three months to put it in your data center, that was great. But then you ended up with all these servers you didn't really need. Um, and cloud's the same. Um, you need to be careful of cloud sprawl. But, you know, it can it can benefit you cost-wise because by being able to bring up, let's say, servers or platform-as-a-service systems like email without having to go through a big project, it saves you time on all the elements you would need to to enable those services. So cost, cost can be a, a benefit if you, um, if, if you play it right. Right, right. And I've heard the phrase thrown around quite a bit in our team, um, renting the spike. And, yeah. and that's another part of it, isn't it? That- a- a- absolutely. So, um, and particularly in the hybrid approach and some of our customers who are in the retail space, I can think of one in particular when they provide online services which are driven by people buying tickets for certain events and they can be very spiky. So cloud enables you to service those spikes, which might, may only happen you know, a few days of every year without having to buy the equipment, having it sit there in your data center for, for the whole amount. So absolutely the, the ability to deal with your, your spikes but not pay for them. Sure. Is it fair to say that you've seen a number of clients coming to you wanting to talk about cloud because they've believed the hype and perhaps not dug into some of these business drivers? Yes and no. So cloud has talked about a lot and it has been for the last few years. But we've also seen the adoption of cloud being perhaps slower than what the industry predicted. So people are interested in it, but I think it's very much like there's a lot of parallels to have virtualization 10 years ago. You know, when at the beginning of the 2000s, when say VMware came up with their, their technology and it started to come of age, people were saying, well, that's great for test and dev, but I'm not going to run my production servers on it. And then after a while, when people started to take the leap, and people became more confident, it became a no-brainer. And I think that's what we're seeing now in cloud. People were, they understood the benefits. You know, I think people understand that you can bring up servers very quickly and, you know, why wouldn't you? But when not everyone's doing it, there's all these concerns about the unknown. There's a lot of concerns about security. Some of them are valid, but some of them aren't. A lot of customers we talk to 
talk about security, they say, well, you know, it needs to be kept in our data center. And you say, well, why? What are, what are the regulations? And not all of them have regulations that actually state it must be in their data center. Some of them do, but then you can also go back to these customers and say, well, did you know that if you went to this cloud provider, the data center they use is the same data center you use or your competitors use? So when you drill down on it, um, it's not always um, as much of an issue as people initially thought. And we're starting to see that now with customers where the barriers are starting to drop and people are starting to, um, to, to take the leap. Okay. And would you say it's more a question of access rather than location in terms of security in that instance? I think most of it is just the idea of the public, the, the concept of a public cloud scares people a little bit because they think it's just out in some unknown data center. When actually, depending on your cloud provider, as I say, it could be in an an Equinix data center in, in, in London or the US or literally the same data centers that you that our um, financial customers use. So hmm. um, I think a lot of it is just the, the perception. There are certainly regulations you need to consider. So um, we have some European customers and they need to keep their data in country. So that would need to be a consideration. But, you know, one of the, one of the counter arguments you can have for people moving wanting to move to the cloud but having security concerns is to say that or to point out the fact that most security breaches are caused by internal people and, yes. and often by your internal IT teams. You know, how how many contractors do you have that have administration rights when they leave? Do you go through and change all the local administration passwords for your servers that they know? And inevitably um, that's that's not always done. So security is definitely a big a big consideration, mm-hmm. but we're starting to find as people look at it more and more and as they see their, their competitors moving to the cloud, they're starting to take a slightly more uh, pragmatic look at it. Right, fair enough. Are you seeing certain industry types move towards cloud more than others? Not particularly. Um, I'm just thinking of, of our customers. So we've got customers moving to the cloud across all verticals really. I think if you were to group people that were moving to the cloud versus maybe not moving quite as fast, you would say the startups definitely start in the cloud Yes, often. Um, and I would probably say finance, insurance, are maybe a little bit more cautious because there are more regulations around the data. But, you know, ultimately we're, we're talking about, in many cases, infrastructure, which is common to all organizations. Um, and even when we're talking about platform as a service, we're talking about email, about databases, again, services which are common across all the verticals. Right. Have you seen the other side of the curve? Have you seen clients wanting to get out of the cloud? Yes, we have actually. Not too many, but inevitably it's due to cloud sprawl. It's people that have gone in there, the whole cloud by credit card, their DevOps teams or dev teams have got the authorization to just bring up some workloads in one of the cloud providers works really well but they're charged on as an example a per you know when they're powered on they're paying for it so they spin up machines whenever they want to they don't shut them down and you know these customers who are being billed hundreds of thousands of pounds a month and a lot of those services aren't being used so so i've not i've not seen customers that don't think cloud is a good idea but i've seen them with implementations where they just haven't had the controls in place and the cost has been a lot more than what they had expected. Right, right. So it's a, a question more of 
of management and timing and approach. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So what's been your experience of, of implementing <coughs> cloud into organizations in the real world? Is it, is it something that you relish and you think has a lot of value to right across the verticals you've been talking about? Yeah, I do. I quite enjoy um, cloud projects. So I've grown up doing infrastructure projects and Extrovert as a company were very good at building private clouds, building um, BDI environments, and that's great. So that's very much my bread and butter, but there's also a lot of pain with that. From a technical point of view, it's fairly easy for us because we've done it so often, but you still have to go through the pain of commissioning data centers or if the customer's got existing ones, you've got to put servers in there and you've got to go through all the logistics pain of getting that stuff done. The actual building it when you've got this the kit in there is quite easy, but to get to that stage is, is a hassle. So I quite like cloud projects because you can start with that layer already in there and then you can focus on building the the solutions that sit on top of that, not just getting the if I use VDI as an example, not just building the core horizon or say Citrix platforms, but looking at, you know, how do I manage the user profiles and the data and, and the layers on top of it. So cloud takes away some of that, that pain and also allows you to realize the benefits a lot quicker than what you would, what you would otherwise. So my experience um, over the last six to 12 months, our customers uh, we've had a few DR projects where customers want to have a DR solution, don't want to have a, a secondary data center, and they don't want to pay for kit to be sitting there. So Disaster recovery? Yes. Yep. So disaster recovery as a service has been um, has had a lot of interest, and I've, I've done a couple of projects on that. Test and dev, it's, it's probably the older, um, more long-running use case, although we tend to see that the test and dev teams are just bringing up their services from the public cloud themselves. So our experience with that uh, is perhaps placing some of the controls and maybe some of the automation and management overlays on on top of that. Right, right. So so people are, from the sound of it, realising the, the level of management that's needed to implement a, a successful cloud strategy. Yeah, well. yeah. So that's fair. Okay. Do you want to just list off a couple of the the key considerations to your um, your mid-sized organization when considering cloud? Yeah. So probably the biggest thing is don't expect to move your mess into the cloud and expect it to disappear. So I'm not, you know, I'm <laughs> sure our, uh, potential um, cloud customers out there are, you know, it's not all in a complete mess, but inevitably every organization has um, some things that they could consolidate or tidy up. So you need to get your house in order first before you move it to the cloud or an alternative supplier. So that would be the first thing is start to consolidate, start to simplify. Um, and that could just be going through and looking at your standards, your naming standards, the way you name things, your VMs, little things like that when you go to do a transformation. The more standardized things are, the easier it is to for someone to come in and, and move it, move it, or for you to move it, or for you to script things. So, first thing is get your house in order, order first. Um, and the second thing is don't treat this like a traditional suit project, in that it needs to be a big, drawn out um, project where you spend six months planning for it before you actually start doing 
one of the benefits of the cloud is that you can dip your toe in the water very quickly. And I think if you take more of an iterative, perhaps slightly reactive approach rather than then trying to plan everything out from the start, um, you'll achieve more success quicker. So, you know, if you're thinking about moving to Azure or vCloud Air or Amazon or, or one of those suppliers, then sign up, try putting a workload out there, get your network connected. That's often one of the biggest hurdles actually is connectivity. So getting even just getting one workload in the cloud means that you have to get over all these hurdles and then you'll figure things out and you can take more of an iterative approach. So perhaps a say more of an, an agile project methodology might be more suited than your traditional um, Prince approach. They, they've both got benefits, but just take more of an iterative recursive approach to um, to cloud and don't feel like you need to wait for everything to be lined up and, and all your ducks to be in a row. Okay, okay. So uh, so get the house in order, take an iterative approach. Yeah. And what about um, pitfalls to, to keep in mind, some easy things to identify and, and avoid when considering cloud? So with any transformation, it's two things. One is discovery. So most customers have a list of some kind of asset database and what they think they have. Inevitably, um, what people think they have and what they actually have um, is not always aligned. And sometimes there can be quite a big delta between the number of servers you have, your applications, uh, working with a customer recently, fairly mid-size, and even just trying to find out what servers would be in scope for the move, you know, took a fair amount of work. There's servers which are spun, spun up for, for just testing purposes, others which are no longer needed. So go through your discovery, identify exactly what servers you need, um, identify what applications those run on those servers, identify the groupings, identify your, your users, and just do a really detailed discovery. Because if you've got all your information at your fingertips, then the migration and the planning becomes quite easy. And on a a practical side is think about how you manage that information. Spreadsheets are not particularly useful because when you're trying to share that amongst various team members, um, from a practical standpoint, you get lots of different versions and it just becomes a nightmare and there's lot, you know, every spreadsheet is called latest or master. So look for some, you know, think about how you're going to manage your data. Um, you know, we use an online database tool called QuickBase, which is very very useful, or it could be some kind of centrally hosted access database or something. So discovery is one, one side of it. And the other side is the requirements. And we often find on many projects, requirements are glossed over. They're done at a high level, but the low level requirements aren't refined. Now requirements, time spent figuring out your requirements, being very detailed is time well spent. Because if you, if you know exactly what you're going to do, then it's very easy to go and plan and do it. And conversely, if you're not clear on what you're going to do at a fairly detailed level, then you have different interpretations. So take the time to think about all the various scenarios, picture yourself at the end of the project and think about all the decisions you might need to make and try and um, answer as many of, you, of them as you can at the start in terms of defining your functional or non functional requirements. You'll find if you have the requirements defined and you know exactly what you've got, then actually all the other decisions are, are fairly obvious. Right, 
Right, good. And and I guess the last point might be seek help if needed. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're working with a customer at the moment where we're providing quality assurance project oversight services. So they're moving from a um, one cloud supplier to another. It's what you class as a private cloud, um, although it is as a service. And we're working with them to make sure that the project goes smoothly to think about and highlight all the areas that maybe the third party supplier may or may not be thinking of. And unless you've been through this a few times, you're not going to be able to pick up all the gotchas. You're not going to be able to think ahead of time about, okay, so I know that on the last few projects, this was, this actually took a lot of our time. So this is really where consultancies such as us um, who have done this over and over again can genuinely save you a lot of money and a lot of heartache because we've been there, we've done that, we're not reinventing the wheel and, um, you know, do it once, do it right. Many transformation projects I've been on would have benefited more if a bit more time was taken to listen to, you know, companies like us, whereas many people want to just do it themselves based on their perceptions, not necessarily taking the advice that we can give them. Sure. And, and then as we begin to wrap up now, in terms of the future, is the future looking more or less cloudy for you? So cloud is, it is going to be massive. It's, as I say, it's like virtualization 10 years ago. I think in the next two or three years, it's just going to become a no-brainer. You know, why would you buy a bunch of servers, put them in data center, pay for the power and calling, um, have to send somebody in there when the hard disk breaks, when you can just, for less money, spin up a server and just use it straight away. So I think cloud is talked about a lot and in the next two to three years it will be a no-brainer not just for startups for but for many organizations and that's certainly what we're seeing now and I think customers who um, want to be competitive need to move to the cloud and I think they also people in IT need to not perhaps be as fearful of cloud so some people see cloud as you know maybe taking some of the work that they traditionally used to do, i.e. putting the servers up, etc. Um, I think there's a change, there's a change in what in where the demand is. So I talked about moving up the stack. So you know if you're worried about cloud and your your jobs, etc., um, the way I would look at it is I would change my focus to just being slightly up the stack, looking at the management tool sets and all those other new opportunities. Because one thing that's slightly lacking on a lot of the cloud platforms today is that they don't have all the management tooling that we are used to. And there's certainly a big opportunity for people to upskill in some of the new products which, are, um, which have been released recently. Brilliant. Thanks very much for your time and uh, appreciate it. Thanks, Oliver. Pleasure. So that brings us to the end of this first episode of Cloud Insiders. Hope you've enjoyed it. And to find out more, head over to cloudinsiders.fm. And you can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Cloud Insiders. Please head over to iTunes, subscribe to the show, and we would love you to give us a rating. And we'll see you next time. This episode was brought to you by Extrovert, trusted independent consultants for data center, workspace, and cloud transformation. For help solving complex IT challenges and unlocking the full potential of your technology, head over to extrovert.com.